You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. Talking games and movies that actors were. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Welcome to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and I am joined by our editor, producer, Jamie. Jamie, how you doing? Good. How are you, Ryan? Doing pretty good. Hanging in there, taking it one day at a time. Um, and we're also, it's not just us today, um, because we want to continue this conversation. I'm going to sound like a broken record because I think we need to continue to talk about systemic racism, continue to talk about the Black Lives Matters protests, and to keep this conversation out there to give you guys more information so you can form your own opinions. And so, and to help us to do that as well, he's always using his celebrity platform to to point out issues in the Black community and to spotlight things that are on that maybe people aren't paying attention to or haven't been uncovered yet. And I'm talking about the wonderful actor, Orlando Jones. How you doing, Orlando? Thank you for coming back. Always good to be here, girls. How y'all doing? What's happening? (laughs) Everything is happening these days. Everything. True that. True that. Um, So I guess I want to start with, before we get for our main um, uh, topic that we're going to talk to today. Let's go back to what we're dealing with now the most, the protests, Black Lives Matter protests. Um, there's a lot of developments coming out and um, Orlando just kind of want to get your take on basically the main question everybody's asking is with everything's coming out with certain reforms, is it enough? Like we're hearing Trump is signing an executive order to ban chokeholds. There's counties declaring racism um, a public health crisis. Um, and, you know, and anything you would want to add into that, Orlando, but just your basic, um, you know, take on what you've been seeing and is and do you think it's enough? Like, is there enough change that you're seeing? Well, I mean, change is a is a different thing. I think, you know, I haven't seen anything vaguely resembling any change. I mean, right now there's some placating going on and and the only thing that has happened on, on a positive note uh in my humble opinion, is finally the word racist carries the same power as the word anti-Semitic. Previously, people were more afraid of being perceived as anti-Semitic than they were afraid of being uh, perceived as racist. Racism didn't have the punitive damage uh, that anti-Semitic came with, and now it does, and it has the stigmatism to it. And what you're basically watching, again, in my humble opinion, is the people who still hold the the view and don't care whether you judge them or not for it because they're in that cult system. They, they believe that we are second-class citizens. That's was their parents' lives, their grandparents' lives, their great-great-grandparents' lives, their great-great-great-grandparents' lives. They don't know anything any different, and I don't know why anybody would expect them to know better. They don't have the first idea what racism is. They're just using words. They don't know what they mean. They've never experienced it. So 
Yeah, and that go ahead. Yeah, that's it. That's that's all for me. That's it. I mean, I I, I every time I watch white people discuss racism, I get a snicker. I'm like, why are y'all talking about something y'all ain't got the first damn clue about? I mean, yeah. <laughs> y'all must y'all must you should start talking about shooting fireworks off on the fucking moon because y'all know about as much about that shit as you do about racism. You've never ever experienced it. Because so you gonna tell me what your black friend told you is some shit you read in the book? Get the fuck out of here. I couldn't tell you about sexism. I've never experienced it. I don't understand the nuances of it. I don't understand the things that women go through on so many different factors. Not just are you a pretty woman? Are you a black woman? Are you a heavyset woman? Are you a woman that 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 goes against the previous ideas of what beauty standards are? Um, there are so many different ways to discriminate against and be prejudicial against women because you have the power and that's sexism. So what am I going to tell you about sexism except what I watched happen with the women who raised me? So Mm -hmm. my view of sexism is born of my mama, my grandmama, my aunties, and the women who raised me because I listened to them talk about it my whole life. (laughs) And they told me exactly what it was from their point of view. So, you know, but again, if you want to know what the women that I grew up with think of sexism, I can give you a pretty clear idea of that. But beyond that, I'm fishing in the dark here and racism is the same. So I think there's just a learning curve that needs to happen. White people don't know what they're talking about and they've built a system where they're the smart people in the room and we're the second class citizens and they have the solutions to our problems. But if you want to know how to solve gun violence, you go in to make Jamaica Queens and you find the black lady there that has been fighting against it and saving those children for the last 25 years. And you ask her what she needs and you help her. What you don't do is send a bunch of politicians and scholars and various other unsundry fuck who might be very smart in their field, but don't know a damn thing about living and trying to save children in that environment. You got to go talk to that black lady, but don't nobody want to do that. Yeah. And, uh, but also what worries me too is, is it going to, in my opinion, is it going to become too much of explaining where it's almost like you're an exhibit almost like no, when no, you're I, asked questions about no explanation, not, 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 not oh not, yeah, no explanation. Okay. This is not a black people problem. We did not invent racism. This is a white people problem. Let them fix their problem. We can't fix their problem for them. They're going to have to come to the realization that this is theirs They're going to have to come to the realization that it's killing them too. And they will eventually have to step up to the fact, in my humble opinion, because of COVID-19, to the true understanding that if you do not take care of the disenfranchised, that that's not what you're going to do, then it's always going to be around because they're at risk. They don't have medical care. They don't have access to any, they're not going to get tested. So they're going to remain perpetually sick, thereby perpetually infecting the rest of the community. There's no way to quarantine it. It's airborne. So if we don't decide to truly want to deal with and address Poverty, water scarcity, sexism, human trafficking, modern day slavery growing like wildfire to the point that modern day slavery is bigger than it ever has been before. More slaves today in the world than ever before. That's where we really are. 
with the blinders off with a real clear look at it. So for me, I'm not interested in arguing about what some well-meaning or not well-meaning white person's concept is of something they don't understand about. They can shut up and listen or they can go away. Beyond that, I'm not trying to fight. I never have wanted that fight. You know? And and to be fair, I don't think all white people are bad. And there are some white people who understand ex- who do understand what it is because they grew up in a black community. <laughs> like Eminem's got a pretty clear vision of it. Because he was in that community as a white boy, and he wasn't getting none of the privileges that went along with that skin. So his vision of it is a little different. You can't lump him in with most white people. Now, does he does he have all of the understanding of what a black person would have? Not necessarily, but is he close? Yeah, he probably is in the ballpark, right? Because he knows what it is. That was home. That wasn't a place he was visiting. So that's a that's a very different thing. And there are white people who live in that community and, and our community and who we treat as community members. You know, white people, black people don't just run on your house and act a fool and, and start. If you if you're a white person that moves into a black neighborhood, black people do not attack you. True or false? No. No. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm going to say no on that one. Yeah. No. Well, that happens. It's called gentrification. And there's no race war going on because people are taking these properties, fixing them up and turning them into multi-million dollar places for rich people to live, thereby displacing the people who previously lived there in the tenement slumlord projects. They're not committing violent acts against you in droves. There's no retaliatory component that's happening, right? Yeah. However, we are watching play out in the news a systematic program that has been taught and perpetuated. Raynard Jackson's our most recent case. This is a person who had Richard, shot somebody. Richard, Richard, I'm sorry. Richard Jackson's his killer was shot. His killer shot his gun into somebody's back before. And hit the guy's leg. So he had fired at somebody running away before. He went through training. He didn't lose his job. Now there's a person dead. But saying got him afterwards, that that's a hunt, right? And what we've watched, be it whichever Becky or Karen it is flipping out, weaponizing the police, in the way that Amy Cooper did, f- falsifying, uh, pretending to be in peril uh, in hopes that the police will come up, guns are blazing, and snatch some black person up for asking you to put your, uh, a leash on your dog. Mm. Um, you know, it, we, we watch these videos, we see these conversations, but my point is these problems, that's somebody's family member. Right. And they don't want that person dead. No matter how much vitriol that person might get online, nobody wants that person dead. There's somebody who loves that person. (laughs) I was watching CNN and something really struck me about Richard Brooks, his case, because- um, Did I call him Jackson? I called him 
it really is how many names there are so it's just it yeah. really isn't i honestly i'm so i saw that video and I, i'm so shook today like this is an emotional day for me because seeing that man on that that cop on his shoulder uh, standing on him is yeah i can't even imagine i don't even want to finish that you Y'all don't want to see that you I, don't want to see it man it's next yeah. level it's I, next level and that's and that's something that's bothered me i mentioned this on our um uh, podcast that we did, Ryan, a few weeks ago about seeing yeah. in a loop over and over again, black bodies, you know, just being executed on camera. And it, right. it's like trauma porn. And you don't see that when white people are executed on camera. And there have mm-hmm. been cases where white people have been killed on camera and it's never shown in a loop like that on the evening news. You don't see that on Cuomo Prime Time or on Don Lemon show or on Rachel Maddow show. But so to be just, I'm not I'm not against that right now though. I'm I'm actually not. The Black Girl Nerds podcast will return in just a moment. So many people don't know where to start when it comes to mental health. It's overwhelming, it's intimidating, and it's an uncomfortable topic for a lot of us. Amani State of Mind is a new podcast from Stitcher that breaks down mental health and wellness in an accessible and approachable way. I've actually had my own issues with mental health. And trust me, talking to a therapist is one of the best things and decisions I've ever made in my own personal experiences through my situation of dealing with depression. Now, with Dr. Imani Walker, she is someone who is at the top of her game in psychiatry. She's been practicing as a psychiatrist for over 10 years. You might know her from the Bravo show, Married to Medicine. She equips listeners with the right language and tools to normalize having open conversations, breaking down the stigma, and especially tailors her discussions for people of color. And right now, with the images that are impacting our psyche, seeing black people being killed and hurt by police, This is something that we need right now. We all need a mental wellness checkup. It's important to remember to take care of ourselves. And we have to keep our minds healthy to keep growing and keep fighting. Imani's state of mind gives us the tools and the tips we need to navigate it all. Listen to Imani's state of mind right now in Stitcher, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. And make sure to subscribe. I think that that they're going in, in we're we're in a fight for change, right? Right. A, a landmark decision just happened on behalf of the LGBTQ plus S two community, and you know, I'm sorry, two S community, um, and that's progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 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 I'm. I am hoping that two things happen out of all of this. I, I really, I only want a, two things. Um, I want there to be a fundamental shift in the way we look at disenfranchised black communities. I want to, I want them to understand that that community, our community, is is a community that has suffered a tremendous amount of trauma. 
Well, the reason why I found that to be significant is because of how it impacts our community when it comes to mental health. That's correct. Because yeah, when absolutely. you see that in a loop, the effect mm. that that has on the human psyche, that has an impact. And white people don't see themselves in that way. But black people see themselves in that way all of the time. That on is correct. The, yes, absolutely. Yeah, on the evening news, in the daytime. You know, I mean, this is being shown because now the news is in a 24-hour cycle. So they see this on the news and open display. Children are around to see this on camera. So that's that's what bothers me about that that disparity. But the reason why I brought up Richard Brooks is because CNN had ran – um, exclusive video of him actually having a conversation. I don't know how long before his death that this video was recorded, but he was actually talking about his experience with the police because you know he he had a record. He had some you know um, some minor um, issues with uh, uh, his his past. He had talked about how the police treated him, and he had referred to them treating him like an animal, and to see how that have has literally played out on camera. Um, it was just gut-wrenching to, to see him describe them in that way. And one of the things that was really interesting, too, in that piece is they mentioned him running away, because obviously, you know, he was running away, and then he was shot in the back. And the question is, why did he run away? Well, you know, he was on probation. He is a father. Uh, you know, he was, you know, at the time. Employed. He was frightened. He was frightened. He was I mean, frightened. I, I, wait so, a second. The, he just watched on a loop. I mean, I, I apologize for yeah. <laughs> interrupting, but he just watched on a loop. And he has been watching in a loop while a pandemic has been going down what you just described, which is a lot of people who look like him dying and a lot of people who look like him uh, having their killers get away with it. Okay. Right. All right. And here's what he thought, because I thought it too, as soon as I saw it. Now you can call me a part of the trauma victim as I have been arrested at gunpoint by cops, no less than 10, 15 times in my life. I know exactly what it feels like. I've been there. I've been on my face, on the ground, a boot on the back of my head, all that. I know exactly what that is. So he falls asleep in a car because the drive-through lines are long because you can't go inside a fast food restaurant. So whether he's impaired or not, honk a horn, knock on the door. That's what somebody had done behind him to try and move him, and he hadn't woken up. As soon as the police came, he woke up immediately, apologized profusely. They asked him had he had anything to drink. He told them the truth that he had. Mm -hmm. And he said, listen, park the car. Um, I'll walk. My sister lives right here. I can call. The protocol for the police is I'm a deputy sheriff in Louisiana is that you call the sister, she comes there, you do park the car, he gets in the car with her, and you send him on your way. Well, there's no reason to even do that paperwork. There's no danger. So that's the protocol. And had he been a white man, that is what would have happened. And when they begin to arrest him 
after he didn't hide or lie or tell the truth, he thought he was going to die. And he ran. He that, that man was scared. Any fool can see that. That, that as well as the fact that he thought that he would end up going back to jail if he had violated his probation, which led, which scared. scared. <laughs> well, well, no, I'm, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not denying that. But this, this is the question I want to ask, which is really yes, the ma'am. bigger, the bigger piece that we should focus on, because obviously there's an issue with our criminal justice system. There's many flaws and many holes in it. So there's disparities with black people and white people when it comes to punitive, um, you know, cases. So what, what is your thoughts about, you know, how this relates to why Richard or many cases where men do have to run, women do have to run or what, you know, what have you. Black people, black people leave the flee from the police because he had a job, he had a you know a a child, and if he did go back to jail, all of that would have been taken away from him. His liberty would have been completely gone. His life would completely be you know changed forever, and he wouldn't be changed. He wouldn't be treated the same in a criminal justice system that a white person you know would have been treated if you know the circumstances you know were the were the same with a person with a different skin color. So that that's my question. The, the only thing, if, if, wait, is this mine or is this, who, whose question is this? Oh, this is Jamie. <laughs> no, no, I know who it is, but who do you want to answer? Because, you know, I'd be bumping my gums. I want to make sure I don't, you know, dominate the conversation here, ladies. I want to hear what you have to oh, say, no, too. Oh, no, 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 go, <laughs> yeah, go, yeah, go for it. Uh, look, for, I, I'm trying to look at this in a very solution-oriented type of way. So the only response I can give to that is the following. The, the criminal justice system, all of these systems, as we all know, are infiltrated with, with races, with people who are alt-right, with people who are neo-Confederate, and with people who hold the belief that we are second-class citizens. They are in our family court systems. They are in our jail systems. Uh, Mike Adams, the guy that, that I'm going after it, uh, or when I say going after, really the toxic element I'm trying to re- help remove from UNCW that's been there for the last 20 years teaches criminology. So he is teaching the people who will then go into our court systems and who will then sentence black people and women. And the reason those rates are so astronomically high when you look at black female women of colors incarceration rates, which are even higher than men's incarceration rates, that the school to prison pipeline in our community is off the charts. So the point is, but that's being taught in the university system. That's being disseminated by these churches and by these organizations who hold this belief. And so we need to not allow these groups to hide behind the First Amendment And we need to hold them accountable. We need to circle their graduates and their teachers because those people are spreading the toxic message of the white supremacy cult. And white people, you know who these people are, just like black people who encounter them know who they are. They are your people. 
extricate them from the system. They have to be cut from the system or the system has to be dismantled and rebuilt where we can be clear that those people aren't those people. And people say, ooh, that's a really, you're saying you're going to witch hunt for racist. And I'm saying, absolutely. I'm saying, let's just take a look. It doesn't require a witch hunt. It requires you to say, you know, check out their social media posts. And if they are pro-Confederate and uh, uh, pro-monument and anti-Black Lives Matter, I submit to you, we have a case. How about that? Let's just extricate those components, that element from the system, because it has already told you that it cannot see us as human. It's already told you that the 14th Amendment means nothing to that person. So we, that should be grounds for us to remove them from the system so that they can't teach our children and teach other children and keep perpetuating the hate. For me, that's what I'm looking for on one side. On the other side, a system that goes into the community led by people of color to find the gifted students and give them the the finances and infrastructure they need to become the coders of tomorrow. We have those children, but it takes 10,000 hours of math and the aptitude is very clear by the time you were doing fifth grade or sixth grade math. You either love it or you don't. If you don't have an infrastructure to help you get through it and your parents don't have the time or money or the tutors, you can't get there no matter how smart you are to that million dollar job that is waiting you, that half million dollar job that is awaiting you. So my point is there needs to be a system to go in and help our gifted get to where they need to be. And that's how you'll have more black doctors. You'll have more Asian doctors, more Latino doctors to now deal with those patients because we already have the studies that clearly tell us that black doctors take better care of black people. Now, that's not to say that I don't want to see a white doctor. I've seen plenty of white doctors, but I wouldn't turn down a black doctor who knew what they were doing. Why would I? That person has a clear understanding of, of the trauma that what I've, I've suffered through and the notes that they take, and studies have shown this very clearly, showcases that people feel more comfortable in that way. That doesn't mean that there haven't been extraordinary relationships between white doctors and black doctors and Latin doctors. That doesn't mean that. It simply means there are not enough black doctors in the system anyway. So let's just help fix that problem. And so for me... That's a two. And then three, the Topeka K. Sams, the Shaka Sengors, the Brian Stevensons, the Stacey Buttons of the world, the people who have been literally fighting the broken criminal justice system for the last 20, 25 years, please empower them. Please let them tell you how to fix. Let the prisoners speak. Let's, let's decriminalize this and stop locking up brilliant minds and we've done that so many times with racism. You locked up some animals too. I agree with you, but those animals are humans and they still have people that love them. The system was supposed to be built to rehabilitate, to rehabilitate. It was not supposed to be to incarcerate and turn into a business. And it's a business now. So those to me are the big circles that I think I want to see change. That means 
children who have that opportunity are getting that opportunity and the help that they need and the resources they need. And these people are being dealt with as trauma victims, the way you treat white ladies who are drug addicts. Treat these black ladies like that too, because they are they are self-medicating because they got their own set of trauma. So let's just get real about what that is. And for me, if we can do those things and redistribute the wealth by just simply paying people of color equally, paying women equally to what you pay men, if we just act equitably, if we just act equitably, the companies don't need any government involved to say, okay, I'm going to pay this black lady when I'm paying this white man. I'm going to pay this Latin lady when I'm paying this white man. I'm going to pay this Asian lady when I'm paying this white man. I'm going to pay everybody when I'm paying this white man because there's not just this white man doing this job. There's 25 other people who make less than this person. Why is that? Hmm? You say you're equitable, just do that. If corporations just did that, it would fundamentally change. If we could do those things, we could change things because we'd have the resources to help ourselves. We cannot be victims anymore. I'm tired of being seen as victims. I'm tired of victim stories. I'm not a victim, okay? That cop put... So I I spent a lot of my life in South Carolina a long time ago. Um, there was a woman named Susan Smith and Susan Smith said that's a, a black man had carjacked her car with her kids in it and taken her kids. I remember that case. And there was a nationwide APB for a black man who she described as the carjacker. Mm-hmm. And I was a student at the college of Charleston. And I was stopped eight times by 15 or more cops, all at gunpoint, describing in excruciating detail what I was to do and what I was to not do. Mm. And I was crystal clear that if I did not follow those instructions to a T, they had no problem shooting my black ass. They weren't fucking around, and it was really clear. And I had been taught by my mother and my father how to handle that situation. And so I referred to them as officer. Yes, sir, officer. No, officer. Absolutely, officer. Yes, officer. Like this, officer. Thank you, officer. And I was taught that because if I was dealing with the wrong officer, I would die. You know how weird it is to get pulled over for you didn't do nothing? One cop car pulls up. They tell you don't move. Put both hands on the wheel. I did that automatically. They shine the light. Then somebody comes up on the front. Then they shine a light. And you hear the guns, you, you hear them, other cars pulling up, all the sounds that go along with that insanity while they drag you out of the car and whip you to the ground. And they always whip you close to the car so it whack, you can whack your head on the side of the car and damn near be out cold by the time you get to the ground. So there's a whole insanity that goes along with it. Now, I say all that to say, Susan Smith lied. She killed her children. 
Did nobody come apologize to me? I didn't see myself as a victim after that. I was prepared. I knew what it was. I got through it. I kept it moving. Because I was taught that these are the cards you dealt. Everybody's got their cards. All the cards have strengths and weaknesses. Focus on the strengths. Don't overplay the weaknesses. Keep it moving. I had good parents. I'm grateful. I'm blessed. I'm privileged. Which is why I feel like it's my duty to to speak. Because I'm the lucky one. I am the quintessential lucky one. A bunch of my friends didn't make it. So for me, that's all I can say about it. I, I didn't come out of the situation hating white people. You know, that's not how that played itself out. So just stop with the victim yeah, story. You're taught to, to respond to things a certain way. That's yeah. how it, you like. I can adapt. My parents will tell me the same thing. You're taught to just go ahead and do what you have to do to follow the rules because you know, one minute, one wrong misstep, you know, there's not time for you to explain or anybody that's going to listen to you or care when you're in that kind of situation. Listen, there ain't a middle-class black family in the South. Okay. <laughs> right. In the South. Yeah. You are told like that is day one. Explain to me what I need to exactly how you just laid it out. That's right. Is how you are explained. Um, how you need to handle it. That's right. You just prepare and it shouldn't be, and I'm agreeing with you in the fact of there should not be, um, you want to get to that point where that's done because you're tired of seeing the same, you're taught that, but you see the same things in the news over and over again. And you want to get to a point where you're like, okay, are people recognizing what change needs to happen? And when is it going to start happening? You got to infiltrate the system. When I look at what Jackie Robinson was able to do and the difficulty of what he did, despite what anyone may or may not think of Jackie Robinson, he infiltrated the system. He did not change Major League Baseball from the outside. He changed Major League Baseball from the inside. And we must infiltrate these systems in the same way that these systems have been systematically infiltrated. Mm -hmm. Again, I take us back to Mike Adams. Mike Adams won a landmark case against UNC Wilmington, University of North Carolina, Wilmington, because he said his First Amendment rights had been violated, that he had the right to make these heinous remarks about women. He had the the right to publish articles about his students, to go do talk shows based on the articles that he published about his students, shaming them, belittling them. That that right was paid for by a group of 30 conservative Republicans. I call themselves the Alliance, I think, Freedom Fund. And they paid for his legal defense. And it was a seven-year-long, very expensive legal defense paid for by a group of people who understood where he fit in the system. He was also very much connected to Eli Mosley, who's the alt-right guy who was on the ground and one of the main organizers of what happened in Charlottesville. I believe he has now been arrested. But look at what those neo-Confederate kids were doing. They were at the University of Florida. They were at the University of Mississippi. They're at all of these universities 
and they hold a meeting, a rally, if you will, and they'll invite Richard Spencer or someone as a speaker, right? And they openly tell you that they are recruiting European white men. They are recruiting white supremacists and they are appealing to their, and they thank the university presidents because the university presidents don't want them doing it, but they have first amendment rights. That means that they have the right to go recruit other white supremacists at universities. And then you have professors in those universities who also assist in the process. And then you have chancellors and other people at those universities who all assist in the process of teaching a very clear message that Muslims are terrorists, that black people are second-class citizens, that women are t- feminism is bad because it teaches women not to worship a white male god. And because God is a white male to them, they are made in God's image and should be worshipped, so women should be in a subservient position. Homosexuality, the LGBTQ plus to S community is an abomination that must be stamped out. They're sick, they're sinners. They're sodomites, they're pedophiles. This is what Arlena, they teach. Let me- they teach that. I'll, right. Let me back you up just a little bit because I want to make sure everybody knows and know where they can kind of look this up more. So we're talking about Mike Adams, professor of criminology at UNCC, or sorry, UNCW. Let me get it right. UNC, University of North Carolina at Wilmington. Yes. Um, he has some a lot of sexist, racist tweets out from what I've seen. I'm looking at a CNN article, by, by the way, if you guys want to check this out, form your own opinion and kind of read what we're talking about here. Um, but he's been in the news lately for that, for those tweets um, uh, that he sent out. And so, Orlando, you kind of touched on it a little bit, um, but I just kind of want to just put a, a nice little neat uh, bow on it because I just want to want everybody to understand, you know, where you're coming from. What, how did this come on your radar and what do you see as the next step forward? Because so, this has been a year's process going on at this university. No, it's been 20 years. It's been 20 years. 20 years. Wow. I did not know. Well, 20 years. So, so is there a next step that they need to do? Absolutely. Uh, he needs to, he can no longer teach. They need to retire him. And the chancellor of the university needs to resign as well. They both need to resign. And the people who have supported them over the years also have to be removed from their posts. All of the infrastructure that allowed this to go on for 20 years has to be systemically removed the same way it was placed. It was placed in there systemically. That is what I'm describing. What I'm describing is their system. See, Mike Adams spends his summers as a, a youth minister at Summit Ministries out in Colorado. And that, what I'm describing to you, those are their teachings. Now, the way they say it is nice and charming and and wrapped in scripture, but those are the, the tenets that they're teaching. So Mike Adams 
turned in a resume to become a professor at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington, and no one ever fact-checked it to realize that he claimed to be affiliated to several organizations that he's never been a member of and have never heard of him. So they just gave him the job based on what he wrote on the paper, and he was teacher of the year two years in a row. One of those years, 2001, he was already harassing a student, and they were aware of it, and they swept it under the carpet. This child was getting death threats. So that abuse, he continued for the next 20 years. He was on Sean Hannity. He was on Bill O'Reilly. He was writing articles. He routes for town hall. He's a paid speaker of the neo-Confederates. And he's one of those guys that shows up at the university who's a professor of criminology who becomes your keynote speaker while you're recruiting the other college-age European white supremacists. It's all a system. So all parts of that system that we can connect, don't you think they need to be removed? They believe that the word diversity and multiculturalism is an attack against white people. They believe white people are at war, and they believe that multiculturalism means that that job's not going to a white kid, and they're right about that, and they're angry as hell about it, and they have built a system. So I just described to you two parts of Mike Adams' system. A third part, he's got an online group of cyber bullies that he calls his flying monkeys. And they're the ones that come after you. He takes your name, throws it out there in a kind of cute way so that people can quickly figure out who you are. And then those people come with the death threats and the, the trolling and they come at you any way they can. And then he has the people on the ground that follow you and stalk you and take pictures of you so that you know you're being watched. And so that's all of the system that he's used for 20 years. And other teachers and faculty he's gone after. The woman who started the LGBTQ LGBTQ plus community at UNC Wilmington was a faculty member. He went after her. She had to resign. Death threats to her. Death threats to her family. The women coming forward is ridiculous. The Facebook group that that has was in this fight that brought me into this fight. It was four thousand people when I entered into the group. It's now eight thousand. New victims are coming forward virtually every day. This guy has been. He said a, this is a Facebook group. This is a Facebook group. There's a justice and equality Facebook group, and there's a woman we call Justice Jones. Justice Jones is a therapist here in Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, she's a clinical therapist. She was dealing with the victims, and she was looking for a way to build a support group around these victims because the university wouldn't acknowledge them. And in the process of trying to deliver treatment, to those victims, she created this Facebook group and it came across my uh, manager's radar. Uh, and uh, my manager brought it to my attention. And after we took a look at what it was, how long it was going on, and also I look at the fact that my children go to summer programs at UNCW Wilmington on that campus. 
I'm going to let my two daughters walk around on that campus with a bunch of alt-right neo-confederates going on with a bunch of people who presently think they're in a race war. They're just going to, somebody just going to decide to grab one of my, my daughters. Uh, no, I, 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 rather than be reactionary, I choose to be proactive. So removing that man and that infrastructure is what the next steps are. And that's what I'm focused on. Um, I believe that mm-hmm. the city manager um, is involved in this. I believe that the former governor of uh, North Carolina, uh, Roy Cooper, the gentleman who did that HB2 law, that bathroom law that sent all of Hollywood and sporting events away from North Carolina because of that insane bathroom law. Uh, Roy Cooper is responsible for that. And he's also a supporter of Mike Adams. So there's a a real core group of individuals who are all linked together. They are clearly linked. Everyone in this community knows that they are linked. And um, I have no intention on stopping anything less of removing all of them from whatever posts they have so that they can no longer be in a position to influence uh, and uh, wreck people's lives. They shouldn't be able to wreck women and black folk and Muslims and Latinos' lives. They shouldn't be able to do that just because they think they're better than us. That's that's unacceptable. And I believe anybody who wants to activate right now, go to your city council meeting. Sure, go vote. Yes, go to your city council meeting, though. Yep, that's the way to get your voice heard. Okay, because newsflash, most celebrities don't vote. (laughs) Most people. Well, there were a lot of that came out and said this is their first time voting. Absolutely. Okay. I have voted before in South Carolina, but I've also not voted for long periods of time as well. That's the honest to God truth. Okay. I haven't dealt with the absentee ballots of it. I understand that it is critically important. I'm absolutely voting. I, you know, you know, I accept all responsibility for what I previously did not do. However, go to your city council meeting. Get involved in your community. Infiltrate the organization. They have been making decisions about your water bill, uh, where your water came from, your electricity, what kind of research. They've made all types of decisions while you were not there. Okay? Those decisions are not forever. They will come up again. Go get involved. And when you hear those statements made that absolutely make no sense. I remember when Hurricane Hugo hit, and we used to joke about this because it wasn't far off the truth. And that is when they were turning power back on, the last to get it was the black community. So the joke we used to do was, (laughs) the joke we used to do was, Hurricane Hugo hit. We're going to get the power back on. Everybody calm down. Now, for the your black folk, we're going to have it on for y'all by Martin Luther King Day. Everybody calm down. It'll, we'll have it on by Cinco de Mayo for the Latinas. Um, uh, for the Chinese, you year, we'll get all you Asians straight. Uh, and for the good white folk of uh, this county, we're going to have y'all on tomorrow. Everybody going to be fine. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I did not. I heard things about Hugo, but I didn't hear that part. Well, a- a- again, it's because the the well-to-do neighborhoods had all of the the money to spend on the people to come get them back into their life again and mm. your neighborhoods gerrymandering and the like has already told you clearly which neighborhood you need to go to and clearly which ones can wait because you don't care about gun violence or police brutality or anything in those neighborhoods anyway 
So it, it, it follows a, a chain. It's, it's a machine. It always behaves that way. That's what the system does. It's valued this group. Why th- Their schools don't have the same funding. Children don't have the same opportunities for after school, no matter how smart they are. It's a different community. So that needs to be rectified. It was, it was a system that did it, right? So there has to be a system that fixes it. And for me, that means the things that I previously said. And because I like to point out Mike Adams as an example of how they use the system. There's a group that pays all your lawyers' bills for you so you can use the First Amendment to keep spreading the message. There's a group that teaches you how to spread the message and wraps it in a cloak of Jesus and gives you a, a good way to go sin that indoctrinates you in. There's a group on the ground that's recruiting new young minds and bringing them to your attention. And there you are in the perfect job affecting the criminal system, uh, the criminal justice system and our court system, teaching people what they should be thinking about and who should be valued this way and who should be valued that way. That is a system. Yeah. You're protected by the governor. You're protected by the city manager. What? That's a system. Mm-hmm. You're protected by the chancellor. Come on. So defunding the police department doesn't do anything about the rest of the system. So going into your community and looking closely at what's going on and find the victims, the victims will tell you who the monsters are. So now if I was knowledge is power is what I'm is what I'm because a lot of this stuff I had no like Mike Adams. I had to I had to do my research. There was just no, like this stuff you're not always going to have that's out in the forefront, um, which is what I appreciate when you use your platform and bring this kind of stuff to us to kind of highlight, because just none of this stuff you would ever, you know, just go out and find, because people get very complacent in the way things are. Exactly. But there's somebody in your community, there's a bunch of people in your community screaming, okay, <laughs> hey, this guy, this person, and nobody will pay attention to them, right? So I'm saying- if you're in that community and you really want to change, apathy is our killer, right? After you know, after we defund and do all the things that we're doing, you know, reparations needs to be a part of this conversation. Yes, our 40 acres and a mule didn't happen. All of these things, there are so many things. But I'm just talking about stuff we can do right now. I'm, I'm talking about stuff that Absolutely, can be done. Yeah. I'm interested in the right now list first. Before we get to all the long terms and this, that, and we got to figure out and where's the money coming from, just pay equal. Just, just do that right now. Let's weed out these snakes who we know are already there right now, right now. Let's just do that, okay? And let's just let's just be let's get more equitable. These cops that we know already have these past crazy offenses. Let's get rid of them jobs right now. Plenty of people need jobs. Get rid of them. Let's train some new recruits and train them the right way right now, right now. We can do that right now. Got your systems? You need teachers in there? Great. Hire these black folk right here who gonna help you teach these people right now, right now. I am not interested in any of the chit chatter. I don't need to watch no more videos. I know exactly what it looked like. I'm good. I'm really good. Thank you. Let's get to work. That's that's where I am. And and you know, I'm I'm trying to sort of just focus my attention on doing that first in my own community and starting in my own backyard. Uh right. and because I am hunting. I'm sure somebody's going to look me in the face and say the following words. 
Oh, good, you finally showed up. How old are you, sir? I'm I'm 53. You 53, sir? Yes, I am. Took you long enough. Right? I'm sure people like Jim Brown, who got involved so much sooner, earlier than I did, right? I'm sure that they probably see it that way. But I mean, at least you're putting, I just, I just want to end by saying, at least you're putting in the work, you know, people, you have to, none of this is going to go anywhere. And if we don't focus on the right now, like you're saying, and put in the work, I mean, that's all you can, that's all you can do right now to keep this, to keep this fight going is to keep moving and to put in the work. But, Uh, you know, we, we were talking about before, you know, a little before we started and kind of through this about mental health and, I'm wanting to know, Orlando, what are some of your um to kind of to kind of pivot this a little bit because I do want there to be this outlet, you know, um a sort of, you know, not I don't want to use a break, but where you take just a couple minutes, a couple seconds and, you know, kind of kind of turn it off for a little bit and come back. So to kind of transition into some of your um your future projects you have coming or some of your outlets, um Jamie, uh, Jamie told me about um, you have the Good Lord Bird coming up, and Jamie, you want do you have like a specific question you want to go into? I'll, I'll transition back to you. Well, yeah, I wanted to ask about that because, um, real quick for our listeners, I actually used to live in Wilmington, North Carolina, where uh, oh, there we go. Wow, wow, I didn't know. Let's take it. Let's take it back then. I didn't know we were gonna have a Wilmington connection. Let's go. Yeah. We're gonna get, we finna get Monkey Junction on up in here. <laughs> so and i you know and i do know about the history of wilmington wilmington actually has a pretty you know racist um historical legacy so yeah coup uh, d'etat happened here in the and two, massacre of uh, 1868 uh, absolutely happened there um where the first black newspaper was destroyed by um, southern white democrats so but also you're on, mm. on a show that has some huge historical um, events that take place. And John Brown, very well-known abolitionist, um, is featured in this series called The Good Lord Bird, which is airing on Showtime in August. And you play the rail man. So I, I was curious if you can tell us and share with our listeners and give us some insights about that character. So, uh- I mean, first, I want to just say that Ethan Hawke is an extraordinary human. And, uh, you know, Davi Diggs and Raphael, I mean, uh, really an extraordinary cast. Uh, Joshua, I, I really enjoyed this project a lot. It's it's one I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of. Um, James McBride wrote a really wonderful book that tells the story of a white abolitionist named John Brown. John Brown believed that God was protecting him, that slavery was an abomination, and that it was his job as a righteous white man to fight against slavery. So if John Brown showed up a place, he would kill every racist in the building and emancipate uh, the black people who were there. That's how he lived his life. Um, The whimsical comedy of this is that people would be shooting at John Brown And John Brown would pay no attention to the bullets coming towards his head because he believed that God had anointed him. So there was no way they were going to be able to kill him. So he would just be casually talking while people would be shooting at him. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And he would be giving orders to the rest of the people. And people were like, this dude is, he's either insane 
where he truly is protected by God because John Brown right. was not bothered by bullets. Mm. Wow. Um, mm. In true John Brown fashion, he decided that he was going to rob the armory in Virginia and take all those guns and arm the slaves in an armed uprising against slavery. So, <laughs> I welcome you to the, the narrative of the crazy good Lord bird. And along the way, um, you, would, you need to inform the slaves <laughs> that this is happening. Otherwise, you don't have an army. <laughs> you, yeah. <laughs> uh, the list, there are some righteous white folk that were going to help, but not so many. Um, John Brown's entire family was involved in this, obviously, and he was trying to get the word out and they changed the date and you needed during that period of time, just because of the way information traveled, it took a letter three days to get somewhere and it went on the train and the trains were steam trains. So they filled up every couple of miles. And they didn't go very quickly. They only went about 25 miles an hour. So that's how information traveled. And then once three days later, it got from Virginia to Philadelphia. Uh, I, I think from actually from Virginia to Philadelphia, that was a day during that period of time. That was a full day. day a day was overnight. If you went by train, that was two days. So the way the system would ultimately get out was that there had to be black people who were in prominent positions in the same way that they are today, black people in prominent positions. You look at the essential workers who are mostly getting sick from COVID-19, it's us. That's why we're dying because we do the jobs of essential workers. Well, the railman worked on the railroad. He ran that train. He was also the person who was running the underground railroad from the train side, because he was the one that would orchestrate how you got on, off the train, when you could, when you couldn't. And so they come to the railman and ask him to help them get the information out, but they need him to transport the slaves down to uh, Virginia. So they want them to come from up north, down south to fight. Uh, so for me, in all of the slavery pictures I have seen throughout my life, I have never once seen that part of the Underground Railroad. I heard about it. I was but, just getting ready to say that, yeah. Right, but I never knew how it worked exactly. Um, and so the Good Lord Bird was an opportunity to tell that part of our history through this character in a story uh you know, about a guy who is a white man who truly believed that uh, slavery was an abomination and, and uh, put his life on the line uh, repeatedly uh, in, 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 in search of trying to end it. So I couldn't think of a more appropriate project for me to be a part of during this time. Of course, 
you know, at the same time, I'm over at Sci-Fi doing uh, the Great Debate, uh, and that's launching tomorrow night. And that, oh yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, <laughs> right? so, the nerd, the nerd speak going down and everything. Yes, you're listening. Uh, listen, Adam Savage is hilarious, and uh, Aisha <laughs> Tyler is it's it's hilarious. I mean, oh, it, Aisha it, Tyler, yeah, Aisha Tyler is hilarious. Every, every it's it's really kind of a who's who on the nerd side. It's a lot of fun, and so doing something where we're arguing about things and fans them seemed like the perfect thing I wanted to do, you know, during this kind of crazy period. And then yeah, doing something yeah. like the good Lord bird that, that sort of, you know, tweaks the narrative, but is, is still poignant about what's going on. But again, to me speaks to the things that, that we're talking about in this podcast, which is how our forefathers built an infrastructure, how our forefathers mm-hmm. used an infrastructure and how we can use the work that Thich Nhat Hanh did, Martin Luther King did, um, Malcolm X did. There was a lot of work that was done building. Alfred Hassler did. You know, I mean, Sister Chang Kong did. uh, Coretta Scott King did. You know, Topeka K. Sam building the same. There's so many people who have been on the ground educating and and helping people, just helping people. That I I just I want to try and link those organizations together and build a, a larger network of, shall we say, do-gooders that can um, can help uh, fight the things that is uh, making us want to turn away from the news on. Yeah. Oh, can I ask you one more? I got one more nerdy question for you before we wrap up. Go. Um, since, since we're all dealing with, you know, COVID-19, we got different stay-at-home orders everywhere. What about Comic-Con? Because we know we're used to seeing you at Comic-Con. Do you have any plans for the fans? If we, we get like a sneak peek comic-con orlando at home nerd session i'm definitely gonna do a bunch of virtual stuff um and i'm just focusing on how to make it as interactive and as fun as possible Mm -hmm. uh but that's the next move i mean Ain't nobody going out here with this COVID nineteen right now, girl. I know you. Oh planning. yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. That's why I was asking. I was trying to. I was hoping you was gonna give me the link or something because I'm not planning on going anywhere. That's why I'm asking what's what's going on. I'm, uh, listen, it's we've been talking about it. Um, uh, we just honestly, I, I think we're just trying to get our bearings. But the plan is absolutely to do uh, something virtual and to put together mm-hmm. a really dope ass group of people. And to really make it where it's not, it's more than just a a big video chat that it's got, you know, it's got stuff to do, right? You know, it's it's got- Right, yeah, you got to have something, yeah. Yeah, it's got karaoke, it's got this, it's got debates, it's got stuff- Oh, karaoke, I wasn't thinking that. I mean, I mean, really entertain. I mean, I want it to be really fun. I want you to be able to yeah. click into it, and we have a really good time, and you have a good time with the groups, and we have events and concerts and mm-hmm. um, panels. So, uh, I really want to to do it in a way that uh, it, it would make it worthwhile for people to, you know, sit online for two hours and go, "That was freaking fun," you know. Uh, and so that's kind of where I'm looking at cons moving forward, and. Uh, and to their credit, I got to give it up to NBCU and Sci-Fi because they've uh, uh, they've really been super supportive and uh, about doing it. And you know, I shout out again to my manager Karen Tunis because she was really the one that said we should do Comic Con virtually before anybody else had really done it, and and mm-hmm. then put together a plan to do it. So when I say we're working on it and, and serious about it, I, I mean for real, for real. <laughs> um, 
So, so you're gonna come back and tell us about it? Oh, you get all God. the details and everything. First of all, Ryan, don't you know <laughs> that I can't say no to Jamie? Jamie. Yes. Thank you, Jamie. He can't say no to you. Come I back. can't. <laughs> Jamie and I go way, way back. You know, Jamie and I like, you know, we 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 fandom friends, you know what I'm saying? This is some fangirl shit right here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. And He's some black back. and some black fangirl too. shit at that. So you know, man, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so right. nah, <laughs> Listen, I was so excited, as Jamie will tell you, Ryan, when Black Girl Nerds came on the scene. So it uh-huh. has, has really been a godsend. So I, I really feel grateful and indebted to all of you. And, you know, and I watch what you're all doing and, you know, I really just try and, you know, support the things that, you know, I'm hearing from everybody because the, the craziest thing about, for me, Mr. Nancy and all these characters is they're not mine. Uh-huh. They're, they're ours. Like, honestly, Ryan, you sound, it's so weird talking to you because you sound exactly like my cousin Tamara. <laughs> and and my cousin Tamara, like, that's my sister. So when I tell you you sound exactly like her, like, if I played you for her, I, I'm going to send her a link, actually, and say, listen to her. She sounds just like you. It's crazy. <laughs> so, oh, man. So Jamie, I got a doppelganger. Yeah, you got a doppelganger for real. So yeah, man, Jamie and I was at at parties together. Like you don't even understand how far this go back, girl. You better tell her oh, something, wait, Jamie. What party? Wait, what's how much time we at? What, <laughs> what kind of party? <laughs> Ain't nobody giving up no goods. Ain't nobody telling you nothing. <laughs> okay, nah-uh. okay, okay, okay. All right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like Cameron. Ain't closed. gonna be no snitching. Ain't gonna be no snitching. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know you don't go out like that. I was close though. I was close to getting you telling something. <laughs> for another show another time <laughs> <Hilarious>. <laughs> well Orlando thank you as always you thank always you keep guys. us informed and I just look forward to seeing what you're going to bring me next and make me keep me up on my game to do oh, my please. research please listen this is a group effort I I, I thank you guys man it, uh, it's good for the soul you know to be able to uh, I think to, to talk about these things and hopefully when people hear them it can you know, help them find some hope in uh, in the things that are going on, and uh, I think right now that's a it's a key component because kids. I, I got two little ones, so you know they're not in this. Uh, you know they're not in this hailstorm right now. They they see pieces yeah. of it, but you mm-hmm. know I want to kind of keep them focused. Uh, I don't want to keep them sheltered from it, but I, I want to keep them hopeful for sure. Uh, so that's the plan. Yeah, well, I love it. And I hope you're going to continue to come back. And I'm glad Jamie got the connection because we want to hear more. Yes, ma'am. We need more Lindo uh, sessions, classes, whatever you want to call them. Listen, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know what sessions you're talking about. Okay. I, Listen, I, I mis- this was a whole. I mispronounced a man's name you know, for, like an old, crazy black man. Because for at that's least what I'm talking about minutes. because you were so into that lesson. You was ready to go. You was Professor Orlando up in here today. You was ready. <laughs> you're hilarious. I am not a professor. <laughs> I am Southern and country I'm, and black. And that's what I am. Well, Southern country, <laughs> Professor Orlando. Pre- Oh, that's I'm, I'm sticking to it. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I'm crunchy, child. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's call it. Let's call it because you know, since you don't want to go for my professor thing, I was gonna let you tell where you, where we can find your class. But I guess we'll go ahead and call it in. You know, I have a new podcast called Talking uh, uh, Ish with Orlando Jones, and uh, nice. uh, and uh, I've just had Talib Kweli on, on and uh, and. Uh, Looks like Snoop will be on. My boy David Duchovny is coming on. So, uh, nice. yeah, it, you know, we're just 
really just trying to use our platforms to uh, to do the things that we just talked about on this podcast and, you know, talk some ish uh, and uh, hopefully have some fun with it. So that's really kind of where my head is at. So, uh, you know, thank you guys for, for always being so lovely. Yeah. When is well, your thank you guys. check out that podcast? Oh, yep. Oh, yeah. uh, you know what? Uh, I will send you the deets uh, because I'm recording uh, this week because I don't have the uh, I don't have our launch date because that ain't the part I do. Oh. Oh, I was yeah. just yep. a talent. They I've been there. I've been there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't tell me nothing, child. They tell me where to show up to and what to do, and that's it, auntie. Yep. I, well, you notice I introduced, introduced Jamie as producer editor, mm-hmm. so yeah, that's not me either. So yeah, I put I give that to her. That's not me. <laughs> not me. Uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, everybody stay safe. Again, Orlando, thank you. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Jamie. Jamie, thank you. Thank you. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audio Boom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.